Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season to all of you this, th- this Thursday, August the 4th, as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 48. As we come to this point, it's, it's interesting, it kind of comes around where Jacob is, is blessing uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, and because, well, his kind of journey began with some messed up blessings. But also, I would say, say this, as we look at this, it's full of many gems. Often, we will look at the first three chapters of Genesis as our, our beginning point, which it should be, I'm not denying that. But often, I'm thinking now as I've gone through these last three chapters that we should probably look at these a little bit closer. So that's my encouragement for you today as we continue to see Christ and to look at Genesis 48. And I want to do one more announcement with with you, our listeners, is because I announced the other day that, that this will be my last week of Thy Strong Word. I was elected, as you probably have heard, District President of the Minnesota North District. My beginning introduction changed in May, and now... As I move forward with that uh, that new vocation, I ask for your prayers. I also ask you to pray for all of our district presidents in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, which are 35 in total, as they do what we call ecclesiastical supervision, which I would say is the care of souls of all of our congregations. In my district, it's 198 congregations. Um, throughout the whole Synod, we almost have 6,000 congregations. The goal is care of workers, care of the people, and of course, keeping our eyes centered on Jesus. So. This will be my last week, which will be Monday, uh, uh, August 8th, will be the last program. And I'll be handing off the mic, not quite literally, but handing off the mic to Reverend Dr. Phil Boo, who is pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. And he'll be on with me that day to study Genesis chapter 50. You'll be greatly blessed with his uh, intellect and his pastoral care, but also uh, his just joy of the Lord. So that is where we are um, transitioning, Um, greatly blessed, and I will be doing more with KFUO starting in September, which I will make, we will probably announce that later, but I will be on KFUO, uh, not leaving it completely, just a little bit of changes as I move forward. But today is about being in God's word. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back Pastor Martin Schulteis of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Baltimore, Maryland. Pastor Schulteis, happy Pentecost and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. It is great to be back with you again, uh, Pastor Finneran, and God's blessings on uh, your role as district president. We certainly treasure our district presidents and know what an important role that is and what a blessing uh, you guys are to our church. Well, thank you, Pastor Schulteis. So, Pastor, tell us about, um, well, recently we just had Pastor Lucas Witt on, and he once again reminded me, i kind of forgotten this, that he's a missionary to Baltimore, and then you are doing a lot of mission around Baltimore, but you said it well, that uh, Baltimore is a big city. So tell us what's going on uh, for, for you and the saints at Emmanuel as you uh, proclaim Christ. Yeah, Baltimore is a big city. we got a lot of stuff. There's a lot of neat stuff going on in Baltimore all throughout the city. We've got a mission in the inner city, and right now we're doing um, collecting stuff for our back-to-school giveaway. We're expecting probably two to 300 
children who'll be receiving uh, full backpacks uh, for this coming school year. Mm. Uh, we've got our own school going on, uh, which is exciting. Uh, Comfort Dog Ministry, which has helped out um, various locations in Baltimore, both related to our church and then otherwise, which is interesting. And we've got, we've even got uh, some connections in Pakistan. And so I just ask for prayers in general for some people who may actually be future Lutheran church workers uh, from Pakistan. Um, but God, God's doing his thing here in Baltimore and throughout the world. And you know what, Pastor, I, got, I had forgotten this. You have a school. What, what kind of school is it? Uh, tell us about the school. Yeah, kindergarten through eighth grade school. Um, my older three kids all, all went through it. I've got two kids in it now. And uh, after we had a little hit in terms of enrollment uh, with COVID, but we're uh, back up in enrollment. Really, just a true blessing of a school. Um, very multicultural uh, neat staff. Uh, it's a it's, it's a gem, and we've got a great connection. Uh, our, our church and school really work well together as as a family. Well, thanks be to God for that. And Pastor, uh, I encourage him to our listeners is to pray for our all of our churches, but specifically for two things. One, our churches that are working in the inner city, like Pastor said, you you connect with three hundred kids in one day, but it doesn't mean that. Well, that they're going to come to your church. I mean, that's one of the dynamics that's that's uh, uh, could be frustrating, but also real joy is that they gather around one another. The school is there, the many opportunities you have, but it's just different than other parts of ministry that we will see. So I encourage our listeners. I would check out Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Baltimore. Look it up online. Uh, pray for this congregation. Also pray for their school and all of our schools as a witness in the name of Jesus. So, Pastor, on that note of prayer, um, can you begin our study um, and study of God's Word this morning in prayer? Absolutely. I'd love to. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, you are a God of undeserved grace, and uh, your generosity is uh, beyond measure. Uh, Lord, we see that uh, through the days of old, and uh, we witness that here in Scripture that we study today. We witness that in our own lives. We witness that in worship as you come to us in word and sacrament, always pouring out, Lord, uh, more than we could ever uh, ask for or imagine. Uh, So, Lord, pour out your grace upon us now and continue to give us that which is not only uh, sufficient for us, but which overflows into the world around us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to your listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text in Genesis chapter 48, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now, Pastor, we are towards the end of Genesis, and, you know, everything happens in a context, and I suppose you could give us a rundown of the whole book, but any <laughs> that might take a while, though. Um, any, any thoughts as we come upon chapter 48? What leads us up to this point and the blessings that there are within this this chapter? Yeah, this is such a fun. I'm so glad that I was able to do this chapter because I, I wasn't. I would not say that this was one of my go to chapters, but studying <laughs> it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is. There's so much fun stuff in it, and it really does um, kind of uh, draw on some of the things that have already happened. I think uh, a couple things to keep in mind. As we approach this chapter, we have to think about um, 
Jacob and his own experience of being blessed by his father mm-hmm. and how, you know, Jacob being the second born uh, snuck in and got the, the blessing as the firstborn, uh, because we're going to we're going to see that happen here. Uh, we also uh, Jacob himself alludes to. So after Jacob, Jacob and Esau uh, were the brothers of, of Isaac, and uh, he tricked out Esau to get that blessing. And soon after that, Jacob had to leave town because mm-hmm. though it was a blessing, it was kind of a curse too. He, um, <laughs> he, he, he went away. On his way to his uncle Laban, he kind of ran into the Lord. And we get the story of Jacob's ladder there at a place called Luz, which would eventually be called uh, Bethel, and um, kind of meets God there. And then uh, on his way back from Laban, after he now has uh, two wives and many children and returns uh, to his brother and and father and family, uh, he stops by uh, that same place again and encounters the Lord and has his name, has another blessing and his name changed then. Uh, to Israel, he he remembers that, and then it's right after that that his uh, wife Rachel, the one that he really loved, mm. um, Joseph and Benjamin's mom, uh, she dies uh, soon after that. I think that all that kind of plays into the story that we get uh, today. Of course, we are um, in Egypt now, and Joseph has welcomed them. Uh, his his dad and family as uh, shepherds that they are, uh, who are now working um, in Egypt and uh, working the uh, the herds, the livestock. Um, which there's a there's a little hint to, uh, of what's going on there as well. Uh, but while Joseph is kind of taking care of of Jacob and family, nonetheless. Uh, Jacob is still dad, and dad is the one who uh, pronounces the blessings because the, the blessings aren't just like nice prayers, but they're kind of, they're, all, they're almost kind of like uh, legal, legal documents, aren't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's kind of like I'm, I'm telling you what inheritance is, is going to be like. That's what's hard about us thinking about this comparing to today's world. It really is that kind of last will and testament written documentation you need a lawyer in the room you need a witness in the room you need all of these things that's what we in our culture do but for them this blessing isn't something you just threw out willy-nilly as we saw with jacob stealing the blessing i mean that's that's very obvious that you couldn't just oh i'll bless you too oh i'll bless you too but basically this is a this is a last will and testament he's giving in a, in a very beloved way and one of the joys i've had pastor i want to hear your thoughts going through genesis and I think this text really captures it, is it, it captures the reality of who we really are as people. Like, it doesn't just kind of give a, a story without the emotions. It, you can almost feel it as Jacob is the end of his life. You can almost feel all the things that you're saying, too, that that the background of his wife being gone, the background of him reunited with his son, the background of him stealing the blessing back in the day, all of those things come together, and it's almost like you can feel like you're right there, like in a good movie, in a sense, any any thoughts on that as we look at Genesis? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think we forget that these are real people with real lives. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we you know, growing up in Sunday school, we've seen so many cartoon characters of of them, and it, it, it becomes 
kind of fake, but the, I mean, these are, if, if we were there, we would feel it. We would live it out. I mean, these uh, real emotions, real thoughts, real conflicts. Mm-hmm. I would think, you know, you, 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 we, we wrestle with stuff throughout our lives. It's, it's all still there um, as it is for us who are human. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's not as uh, simple and, and one-dimensional as sometimes we can make it out to be. Well, Pastor, let's dig in. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So we are reading uh, Genesis. We are studying Genesis 48, uh, and we'll be reading from the English Standard Version as we hear the word of God. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I'll make you a company of peoples and we give you this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They should be called by the name of their brothers and their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was still some distance to go from Ephrath. And I buried her on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Pastor, there's a lot lot of background in that. Where do you want to begin? Uh, yeah, let's, well, I guess let's just begin at the beginning. <laughs> there you go. There's, there's, there's so much good stuff in there. So, uh, yeah, dad, dad is, dad is what, 147 now. Um, and I mean, it's kind of known that, that, that his, his days are ending and it sounds as though Joseph's already been by and kind of made the promise. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll take your bones back. Uh, but then the word comes, you know, and we, we get it, you know, um, uh, dad's in hospice care now, you know, or it's, it's, this, this is it guy, gather, gather the troops, uh, come and say your last goodbyes. And so, uh, Joseph does and gosh, just, just the whole Joseph father relationship that had been, um, yeah, I'm sure it's been treasured over these last 17 years that Jacob has now been in Egypt, but thinking about all the years before that that were lost and uh, Joseph wondering if he'd ever see his dad again. Um, but but now, you know, now it's come to the end and uh, Joseph uh, picks up his uh, two sons, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim, and uh, it, it's interesting because, you know, doing the math, it, you know, we find out they were born before uh, Jacob came to Egypt. So these guys have to be, they're over 17 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old they are. Um, uh, maybe maybe early 20s or so. And uh, they go with them. Um, and Jacob hears because his, his sight's already well diminished. And it's told that Joseph has come, and 
in verse two, you know, he's, he's named Israel here and we see switching on and off, you know, sometimes it's Jacob, sometimes it's Israel. It's, it's, it's the same person. Uh, but the name's significant because we know they're going to be called the Israelites. Uh, Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And so you can just kind of imagine that kind of end of life, um, stage that, that, that Jacob is in. Uh, and yet, at the presence of his son and these two grandchildren, you know, he nonetheless, you know, gathers himself so that he can be present uh, for for them. And then he hearkens back. He remembers. And how often, you know, have, have we been with loved ones uh, toward uh, their end stage too? And um, the joy is to be able to remember, to, to, to think back uh, to what was. And uh, that's what Jacob does, but specifically what what Jacob remembers before his son and two grandsons is uh, God Almighty, you know, El Shaddai, um, uh, who uh, appeared to Abraham, uh, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and who appeared to Jacob. Uh, on his way, as we mentioned, uh, to Laban, and then on the way back as well, uh, where he received that change of a name to Israel. And it's what he remembers. Uh, you know, he doesn't bring up uh, the we we call it Jacob's ladder. You know, the 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 going up and down, the mm-hmm. the beautiful mm-hmm. vision. He remembers the blessing. He remembers the promise. Um, Behold, I will make you fruitful and uh, multiply you, and I will make you a company of peoples, and I'll give this land uh, to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. Mm-hmm. And um, Jacob, as, as he's near death, is remembering a promise that God has made that has not been fulfilled yet. And, you know, while certainly his family is bigger and gosh, I mean, he's, he's got, you know, 12 sons and now he's got <laughs> grandchildren standing right in front of him. So you know, the people are certainly growing in number. I wouldn't call them a company of peoples yet. And they certainly don't have a land and not the land that they were promised uh, as their everlasting possession. So Jacob bringing that promise up near death is is not doing it in the sense of God promised this to me and look he didn't give it to me that's that's that seems very um, kind of American uh, I, I I need everything right now mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Jacob has kind of a long-term view saying like this is this is the promise of our God and though I'm not going to see it, we can be sure that it's going to come true. So uh, as I remember it, I also need you to remember it, that this is what God is going uh, to do for us. I love how there's so many, it's like all the synapses of memory is, is coming back. And it's no different than if you've ever been with a loved one on hospice or as a pastor, my experience of being with someone 
who is surrounded by their family while he is on he or she is on hospice. And and typically what happens when they're actually able to get into that situation, the stories just flow. Hey dad, remember when we did this? Oh yeah, I remember this. You remember this? And that's when that's the ideal situation, I should say. Not always, yeah. but it happens. And and you, you I've been in those scenarios where there's just lots of laughs, obviously lots of tears. But there's all these stories and it all just kind of comes together. And I remember one particular time within the last year where there was kind of a stop, quietness, and someone said, so many blessings. And I think that really captures what's happening here is that, is that Jacob is, he's reflecting on the many blessings. He sees it in, in his life. And, and it clearly, you know, you don't, you don't, he doesn't spend all day talking about, well, it's kind of a bumpy road. You know, I kind of had that Leah Rachel thing and I had a little bit of this, had a little bit of that. That didn't work out so well. And, and the Esau, oh boy, just, but it did, God didn't promise a smooth path to this being fruitful and multiply and going back to the promised land. But he did promise that he would continue to provide and bring salvation to his people. So that, that just captures it all together. And I just have this this, you know, and he's talking about his bride, he's talking about all of this, and it just comes all together, and we see all these commonalities that we see throughout Scripture, not only in Genesis, but all throughout the rest. At the end, it says, um, I buried her there, which is in Bethlehem. I mean, the, the continuation of everything just keeps flowing. Pastor, anything else in those first seven verses? Yeah, I would I would just say with, you know, verse five and following, the whole, and this comes, this becomes kind of that legal part mm-hmm. of what's going on is that we find out that Joseph is really, because Joseph does not get um, named among the 12 tribes because we've got his two sons is named among the 12 tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh, which means that Joseph is the one who's given the double portion, mm-hmm. uh, which is usually reserved for the firstborn. The firstborn would have the double portion, then everyone else would have a single portion. And so Joseph even though he's not the firstborn among his brothers, nonetheless, Jacob decides that Joseph will receive that double portion. And so uh, he does so by bringing Ephraim and Manasseh and giving them each a portion among uh, his own sons, really adopting them in. And, and these are sons that were born in Egypt. Of You would, you would assume an Egyptian wife, uh, probably maybe a little bit more foreign than his other uh, grandchildren mm. and uh, you know, daughter-in-law, and yet brought in as his very own, and and to say, hey, these these are now my children. Um, uh, you know, part of part of part of you know uh, who will receive my inheritance uh, directly, kind of in place of you. But that's that's kind of the blessing. As here's here's your double portion. The, the extra grace, the undeserved grace uh, that is that is given to him. Joseph, you can have the other kids; those are yours. But these two uh, now are mine. It is it is really interesting too because there is no tribe of Joseph when you look at the twelve tribes, and it's just one of those one of those things. I've always known that, but never reflected on it. But then that double portion is given to the sons. Like you said, they don't really have a standing that they, quote, deserve it if you were to go by the normal traditions and so forth, but yet adopted in. And I think that has a great, well, I mean, how many connections do we have that in Scripture that is so powerful? Pastor, any thoughts on that with he adopts them in and why that's important for them and also for us? 
Oh, there are so there are so many things, and especially when you start to look at this through Christ, it it kind of blows your mind because. So one of the things I notice, and it just, until you wrestle with it, you don't even notice, because of course Jacob has twelve sons, and then there are twelve tribes, but Joseph gets multiplied into two. So you forget that that means someone gets left out mm-hmm. uh, of the 12 tribes. And it's Levi, the priestly tribe, that does not get numbered typically among the tribes who get a portion of land. Like all the, the 12 tribes that now get a, the land include Ephraim and Manasseh. There, so That's two for Joseph, which leaves no land for Levi and doesn't even necessarily get numbered among the 12 tribes. But, of course, the Levites are the priestly uh, ones. And so y- you kind of play around with that, and you realize, well, isn't that, isn't that kind of like a Christ figure there? Mm-hmm. Christ, who is, Christ who is both the firstborn, he is the true firstborn, Christ who is also the great high priest, has given up, his inheritance, his um, his reward, his portion uh, for the sake of the others that we even, uh, you know, Ephraim and Asa, I still look at them as kind of like uh, oddly born, not as pure born as some of the others, uh, you know, being, being Egyptian, uh, half Egyptian, um, that they may be adopted in and receive that, that double portion. Uh, so Christ, the firstborn, gives up his birthright. Uh, he isn't tricked out of the birthright, um, but he gives up that birthright for the sake of us, that we might be adopted in, uh, that we might receive uh, the inheritance. I, I, it, to me, it's just, it's just so much, it's, it's kind of like the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And uh, Christ is the one who kind of sets his stuff aside uh, so that we might have a place among God's people and an inheritance in the kingdom. You look at continuously, and I found that we have gone back to to Hebrews all the time going through Genesis. Clearly, Hebrews 11 with with the understanding of of the heroes of the faith, if you will, but also sure. this connection of, of the Levites, where I've never thought of this, of that Christ connection, is that the Levites did not have land. And, and so therefore, just like Christ did not have a home, and he gave up his home for our sake, that the Levites gave up any land for the sake of serving their people. So the, the connections are everywhere. Um, let's keep the connections going, but right now we need to take our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 48 with Pastor Martin Schulteis, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. 
And welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 48 with Pastor Martin Schulteis of Emmanuel Lutheran Church and School in Baltimore, Maryland. And Pastor, uh, you've just made a lot of great connections, adoption that uh, that occurred, that it wasn't just a blessing in essence, it was an actual adoption, which points us to our adoption as sons by the blood of our Lord Jesus, adoption as the baptized into Christ. All of this connects absolutely everywhere, which means we could probably be doing this all day, but we only have a certain amount of time. So Pastor, anything else before we move on in these first seven verses? No, let's go, let's go on to eight and following. All right, here we go. Verse eight. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and he brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil blessed the boys. And in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, there's a little more of a, well, there's a twist in this, and I want to get to that twist, but there's there's still a lot here. So 8 through 16, where do you want to start? Yeah, well, let's start. So as as I was studying this, I kind of wrestled with this because um, we, we see Joseph bring the sons, and then all of a sudden we see Joseph ask, who are these? And as I'm reading it, I think what's going on here, and I can't be 100% sure, but I think what's going on here is a flashback, mm. which is kind of typical in Hebrew writing, is that this relates to the context of what's going on. So I'm reading this as um, the giving us a flashback of when Jacob first met Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, that, mm-hmm. Because we know that um, Jacob's been in Egypt for 17 years, and and so Ephraim and Manasseh are already over 17 years old. And yet here in this story, you know, Joseph removes them from his knees. That would be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> my 20-year-olds, okay, you guys get off my knees right now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, who's, who's are, who are these, uh, you know, questions like that. So I'm reading this as a uh, verse 8, when Israel first saw Joseph's sons. And I'd, I'd have to see the tense. Hebrew is a little funny. Greek would be maybe more helpful. At the, is that a past, you know, Eris, when, when Israel first saw Joseph's sons, he had said, who are these? And that's where Joseph says, hey, these are my sons that God has given me here in this place. And uh, even then, 
you know, I, I think Jacob's at 130 years old. It makes sense that his eyes were dim uh, by then. Gosh, I've been wearing glasses for ages. Um, bring them here so I, I, I can see them. And so this was the initial uh, embrace. He embraced mm. them. He kissed them. And um, then decides to bless them, which would make sense kind of on that, that first meeting with them. Which then is kind of the fun part where uh, Jacob pulls off, you know, the, the switcheroo, just like, you know, he took advantage of the switcheroo back right. when uh, he was younger, of uh, the younger being blessed um, instead of the older. And though Joseph was pretty intent on what he wanted, uh, nonetheless, uh, Jacob or Israel, I love how it switches back and forth yeah, yeah, uh, with, with the name, uh, decides I'm, I'm going to put my right hand on Ephraim for the greater blessing to be on him. And it's always fun to think about, you know, are, is, is this a decision that uh, Jacob made that he wanted to do it, or did the Holy Spirit move in Jacob in such a way that God was letting Jacob know, I am going to bless Ephraim greater? Because we know history-wise, Ephraim does you know, receive the greater blessing. Ephraim is what becomes the kingdom of the north. Manasseh kind of, uh, you know, kind of falls out of the out of the history line. We don't hear too much about him, but 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 Ephraim really kind of encompasses the whole northern kingdom of Israel mm-hmm. uh, later on. So so we sometimes may want to put it in Jacob's hands. Jacob may have been moved by the Spirit. Uh, to no, no, God is God is going to be doing something here with the younger, uh, which is a theme which comes up throughout Scripture. Is God is always taking the lowly, uh, the lesser, the least among these, uh, the fool, and um, well, the crucified one, and uh, the despised one, and showing that that's that's where the the greatest uh, grace is. And so, in some ways, Ephraim becomes kind of like that Christ figure uh, mm. as well. It, in, in I think past, also. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say that it it does point us to this. The, the God's going to work through this. You, you know, was it a mistake? You know, was it a uh, was it a whatever it might be? Like you said, God's working through the Spirit, and we see that continuously that God does work the lowly god does choose the least of these which is always important for us to remember that that well um i am weak and he is strong brings us back to jesus loves me all the time that for whatever reason this adoption that he brings has nothing to do with our merit but has everything to do with his choosing and he's the one that will give us what they need and provides what is needed at that time so that is uh the alien work of god is probably a good way for me to think of it too this is not normal um, but this is the way our Lord works, and thanks be to God, He does. So continue on. I'm yeah. sorry I interrupted you. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, but it's a good point because it does give us encouragement. Uh, because how often do we feel weak? How often do we mm. feel not enough? How often do we feel the lesser one? And it'd be very tempting for us to then translate that into the lesser blessed. Uh. But the truth of the matter is, time and time in Scripture, uh, God blesses the lowliest, uh, whether the poor or the poor in spirit, 
um, it, we can't we can't use our view of ourselves or even the world's view of ourselves as something that defines how God views us. So great is His grace. Uh, the blessing is 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 fun. Uh, you know, he, he blessed them and uh, harkens back to you know, the, the God whom, um, with whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. It's just the, the, the beautiful picture is that, you know, we, we kind of walk with God. It's, it's just not that he is our God up there somewhere, but that, you know, we're actually together in this. Uh, the God who has been... I love this. My shepherd, mm. uh, all my life long to this day. This is this is of course well before Psalm twenty three is written. The Lord is my shepherd, uh, and yet already I'm not sure if there's another place earlier on where God is called the shepherd uh, than this. I'd, I'd I'd have to check. Mm-hmm. Also, though interesting because of course uh, Jacob is a shepherd. And so, uh, so his family are shepherds as well. Where Joseph is, you know, still leader of Egypt, which many would think that you know he's more on the kingly route, that his profession may be higher up. It's like Jacob almost kind of kind of sneaks something in there to re- to remind him that though from a worldly perspective your position may be really good. Um, Shepherding is is uh, you know a, a vocation that might even be higher, and we as shepherds we have a God who is uh, shepherding us, and He's been my shepherd uh, all this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the God who walks with us, the God who shepherds us, and then verse sixteen, the God through His angel or through His messenger has redeemed us, and so we get all this like mm-hmm. Christological language, all this, all this. Um, you know, like hearkening to Jesus, even even the redeeming uh, me from all evil, uh, and you know, Jacob doesn't distinguish the evil that has been done to him or the evil that he has done, uh, because we need to be redeemed from both. Uh, but he's redeemed me from all of it uh, because he is a redeeming God. And this God who walks with, who shepherds, and who redeems, bless the boys. Uh, and this is, this, is just, this is beautiful prayer on these uh, grandchildren of his. Bless the boys in this way. And in them, let my name, the name of Israel, the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, uh, be carried on. And um, may you grow. Uh, into that multitude that God has promised that you would be. So may the promise that he has given to my fathers and to me, may that promise continue to be fulfilled in you until that promise is brought to completion. Because again, it, it hasn't been brought to completion and Jacob knows that. But that that's not the point for Jacob. That, that I don't think that bothers him. Uh, living in the middle of the promise is enough having faith that it will be brought to completion and wow there's so much well there's so much blessing in this blessing 
<laughs> so much yeah. so much proclamation of who our Lord is and and I can I can guarantee you this that 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 Joseph and the two sons would have remembered it word for word. I mean, because when when somebody somebody tells you anything on that that last you know breath of their life, or or when you were little, whatever it might be, and you you remember those times because of how powerful it is. And if you look at this, majority of it, almost all of it, is pointing to the Lord. You know, this is not like, well, I did this and I did this, I did this. Not at all. It is about the Lord is the one who walked with me. It was the Lord who was my shepherd. It is the Lord who has redeemed me, which I think points us to Christ clearly. And all of this, let my name be praised. And then it says, you know, basically the name of Israel, which is the name that the Lord gave him. I mean, all of this, the blessing, those words all point back to the Lord, which is a good reminder for us. How can we continually fill people with the Lord as opposed to our story and make sure it's his story. I don't know your thoughts. Yeah. You really can't, you can't really give someone what you have and expect that to make a difference. <laughs> uh, right. but, That's good. <laughs> but what you can do is give them what's been given to you mm. uh, because what's been given to you is always more than enough. And so to give others what has been given to you does not decrease what you already have. It's just an outflow of, what has been given that's uh, blessing people with the Lord is so much better than blessing people with ourselves. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, once again, it goes back to that. I am weak, but he is strong. And, uh, I'm reminded of Ephesians, you know, six ten. you know, that says be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might is exactly because I I've received a blessing one time from a pastor who, who used those words. And there's a blessing that I give, to others as well, is to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might is just that reminder, very similar to what he's saying here, is that this Lord is not only one that that is, quote, with us as kind of like a mystical friend or something, but in a God that is is forgiving you, that is guiding you, that is caring you, that is always walking with you. I mean, I and it's almighty God of all things, you know? I mean, this is, this is yeah. beyond anything we can imagine. Other thoughts? No, yeah, yeah, he, and again, walks with shepherds and redeems, and like a God who, who does that is, you know, it, it kind of blows you away. It does, it does. Um, so, Pastor, we have, uh, uh, now Now we get to the point of, hmm, how, what did that hand mean? So, he put the hand there, he crossed his hands, he did this, it's almost like, well, was he confused, or did he actually know what he was doing? So, let's let's find out, verse 17. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. (laughs) He shall become a people and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. Pastor, this sounds familiar as far as who got the blessing, but vastly different than from the previous story that involved Jacob. Uh, break this down for us. <laughs> well, it's, 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 
you know, again, this is this is the reminder that we are dealing with people. <laughs> and, <right. laughs> we don't want to sugarcoat it, and 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 we can we can make them all saints and forget that they're all sinners. Also, I mean, that, that there's there's conflict that's going on, and uh, Joseph, like the rest of us, has an idea of the way that things should be. Um, who of us is not like Joseph? Who of us does not? Uh, have in their own head the way that we would like God's blessings to flow. Uh, but God, I, I wanted the blessing this way. Mm-hmm. And, and God himself says, yeah, I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> and I, I don't, I don't bless. But nonetheless, this is the way that, that I'm blessing. I like that Joseph, um, again, jo- Joseph is, is displeased uh, with his dad doing the, the switcheroo here. But Joseph does not um, argue with the fact that he, because he's being given this double portion by a portion for each of his two, for these two kids, that he is getting the firstborn portion, even though he's not firstborn. Right. So he's not like, Dad, I'm not even the firstborn. You shouldn't be given you know, double blessing mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. He's just saying, I just want you to do it this way. Uh, so, you know, okay, okay, Joseph, you know, we, 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 all, we all struggle with that in many ways. Mm. Um, not this way, my father. Yeah, we've, we've all said that Absolutely. Uh, in, in different ways. <laughs> That's not, also, that's not fair. That's not fair is how we not, usually say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was talking with someone uh, yesterday. We don't. We really don't want a God who's fair. Thanks oh. be to God. Um, <laughs> but, but what I do love in verse 19 and following is that the refusal of Jacob does not equal a curse. Mm-hmm. It just it's it's also a blessing. He says, "Well, I, I I'm blessing them both. And Manasseh, he's he's going to be blessed, and he's going to be a great people also. I mean, this is I thought I'm not cursing him. I'm not making things worse. He is blessed too. It's kind of like um, when when Jesus says, uh, such and such will be least in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they're in the kingdom of heaven. You know, right. uh, which which which." Which is which is good in the same way. Manasseh is not is not getting kicked out of the family. It's just that God has a certain preference for the lowly, for the poor, for the marginalized, for those on the fringes, for the sinner. Um, gosh, he's he's he, for the lost. You know, he loves the law. He wants to be with the law. And so for God to choose the younger is not a not choosing the older. It's just that, I know, but my preference tends to go towards the one that the world does not have a preference for. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's ultimately, you know, the picture of Christ who looks at the world and the world itself should not be chosen. And yet he gives himself up 
for the sake of us who should not be chosen at all, um, that we might receive that great blessing. I love uh, Jacob's response. Um, and who knows how anxious he is. You know, you've, you've been around enough, you know, crotchety older people who, you know, can kind of get kind of pushy here pretty quickly. But he says, no, 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 not not, not this way. No, uh, this is the firstborn. Put your right hand on, on his hand, even literally grabbing his hand and trying to force another way, which, okay, all right, well, maybe that was it. I just made an honest mistake. And he says, I know, my son, I know. That double reminder, like, I know, I know, I know. It's not, it would not just be a simple, you know, a monotone voice you can imagine. It would be like, I know my son, I know. No, it would been, I know, son, I know, I know. And then he shall be great as well, showing that the blessings that the Lord was giving was not like, you know, a blessing and then therefore it has to be a curse, like you said so beautifully, but that he is going to bless. And then for whatever reason, he chooses these ones to be great, not for the sake of, of him, as you mentioned, too, as we see it kind of play out in the whole Israelite world, but for the sake of the Lord. And when the Lord's name is not made great, well, then there's a whole bunch of issues. So it's not a let's glorify this name and this person, but it always comes down to glorifying the the, the Lord as he goes through, as we see this play out. And that's what's fun about when you're able to slowly go through the Old Testament and see it unfold I mean, slowly, maybe not slowly, because it's a lot of words, but you're able to see it all flow together, like we have been able to see in Genesis. You're able to see how this does play out in a way that I wouldn't have expected, but it does play out, and ultimately, as you said so well, that you have one like Christ who becomes weak so that we may be strong. Other thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, it just reminds me of something else, uh, Pastor Penner, which is really interesting. If we if we look at it historically, because what we know that even though Jacob gives the double portion to Joseph, kind of points him as, I'm going to treat him like my firstborn uh, for Ephraim and Manasseh. And we know of the two, Ephraim is the one who is given the greater blessing. And so he's kind of like, he's kind of like the one with the, with the star on it. Mm-hmm. We also know, historically speaking, that the line of David doesn't come out of Ephraim comes out of Judah, and well, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna tackle that when you get to chapter 49 with the blessing that goes uh, to Judah. But Judah is not part of this picture here. But then historically, what becomes interesting because we know that Judah uh, produces David, Solomon, and ultimately Jesus, and we get back to Bethlehem, and you think Jerusalem and stuff. Uh, but then when we get to the New Testament, what becomes interesting is that the line of Judah, if we see Judah as the south and Jerusalem, and we compare that to what comes out of Ephraim, which is really the north, and Galilee, we see a preference again for Ephraim, that Judah, you know, Jesus and Jerusalem are, are used, but it's really Galilee which responds that much better to the gospel. And uh, probably you know, receiving Jesus where Jesus was, where he spent his time, 
And so even I wonder if there's not a sense of a living out of this blessing, even through the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and the early church as things take off, where where God is constantly taking um, that which has a right to provide for the lesser among these, uh, where now even Jerusalem, which is the you know the the, the capital spiritual center gets used for the sake of Galilee and even the Samaritans, which have a connection with the, with Ephraimites, and then, of course, the Gentiles and, and, and you and me. It, it, to me, it's just this grace that does, there's no um, boundary that can stop the grace of God. It just pours over and over to the least of these, least of these, least of these, gathering them all in, bringing them all into that royal priesthood and to that holy family of God. I I would encourage you, our listeners, if you're listening to pod, this podcast, re-listen to what Pastor Schultes has said. That is so profound and a great filter as we read all of Scripture. Pastor, we have about two and a half minutes left, or else I would talk further on that point, but we need to get through our time. Verses 20, and we'll go to the end. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel, were pronounced blessings, saying, God, make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Oh, excuse me. My, my page is not turning very well here. That he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. Pastor, with about two minutes left in our time, wrap this up for us. What's happening and how would you encourage our listeners? Yeah, so he gives them that blessing, then kind of like one more blessing for the two of them. And and by you, Israel pronounced blessings, saying, you know, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And that's a blessing that gets repeated. I found out that that's still is a blessing that is shared among Jewish people hmm. um, at circumcision. And I think maybe at bar mitzvahs and stuff like that as well. So that, 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 that's still spoken. Uh because of how important it is um, and and how significant it is that, that God has chosen, you know, kind of the, the, the younger in that sense. And so the ver- end of verse 20, I would say, kind of wraps up that flashback. Thus, that's how, you know, he put Ephraim before Manasseh. And then we get back to the death scene where I'm about to die. And he hearkens back to the promise of God. God will be with you. I mean, that's just, man, that's just a comforting last word, and he will bring you again to land of your fathers. A doesn't know that it will be the bones of Joseph that will be brought back to the land of his fathers, but he will. He'll bring back all the people to the land of your fathers. And then kind of like an addendum saying, oh, and by the way, I've, I've also got a piece of land that, that's just for you, kid. Because uh, I like, I'm, I'm not giving that to the others. That's that's yours. I, I love that little personal uh, add-on there as well. Ah, uh, well, Pastor, there's more to share, but that ends our time. Pastor Martin Schulteis of Emmanuel Lutheran Church and School in Baltimore, Maryland, giving us God's wrong word from Genesis chapter 48. Pastor Schulteis, thank you for bringing us his gifts. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finnern. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe.
in the palm of his hand. 